Welcome to the Nine Moms Podcast. My name is Phineas, and this is my mama's podcast, and, and here she is. Hi, everyone. I'm Lisa, and you've just tuned into the Nine Months Podcast. Very warmly welcome here. This is my first few episodes that I am going to post out into the world, finally. I have tried to record this intro about 50 million times by now, and reading from a script, I realized it wasn't really my thing. So I'm just going to give you a little bit of a little bit of me, and this is who I am usually, so that's fine. Um, this is a birth story podcast, and I, I got really, I felt really empowered listening to birth stories and reading birth stories throughout my pregnancies. I'm a Swedish person, a Swedish woman living in the Czech Republic at the moment, and my second son was born here. My first son was born in the UK. And I didn't really feel supported by the medical system emotionally supported yes medically but emotionally not so much and I didn't really know what questions I could ask and what questions were even valid and when I started listening to birth stories it's like something clicked there are other women out there going through the same thing or the similar or similar thing to what I'm going through and and this is their experience and I really found power in listening to their words and found that power within myself to confidently walk into my births both times and and this is what what is my passion I would really like to share this with the world because there are so many birth stories out there and each and every one of them is important and as important as the next one so this is my little piece of piece of gift <laughs> to you guys from me this is totally my passion project and I'd like to thank all of the women that have shared their stories with me so far and if you would like to share your story after hearing some of these then please don't hesitate to reach out to me um, my email is the nine months podcast at gmail.com where the number nine is a number nine and you can also go to my website which is nine months podcast.com also the number nine is a number nine there um yes so this is it guys let's get into these birth stories i really hope you enjoy them hi stephanie welcome to the nine months podcast it's lovely to have you here with me today. It's been a while since we connected in person, so I'm really excited that you're trusting us and me with your birth stories today. <laughs> Absolutely. Would you like to start by introducing yourself and who is in your family? Absolutely. Um, so my name is Stephanie. I am from the States originally. I've been away for about 14 years already. Um, my husband, Gavin, we met at university in Arizona. And then we, I had always had a desire to travel. So I sort of convinced him to come back. Um, I was planning to move to Australia and then we compromised on moving to the UK. So we moved to London. We were there for about eight years and then moved to Dubai for my husband's company for work. Um, 
luckily I was able to get a job in Dubai as well, which can be tricky for traveling spouses. Um, but we went over there, we were there for about just over a year, um, and decided we were ready to start, you know, having kids. So I was working for a government organization there, um, in Dubai, which it was an interesting experience. Um, many expats will tell you that living over in the Middle East can be challenging at times. Um, so we decided, you know, we were ready to start trying and to have a baby. Um, and I found out I was pregnant. Um, you know, maybe a typical sort of mom thing. I had a little bit of a meltdown, an emotional meltdown <laughs> one day. I We had had a new couch delivered, which is quite silly, but um, we'd had this new couch delivered, which I wanted, I requested, I found, and I loved. And as soon as it was delivered, I got home from work and I laid down on this couch and I was looking at the old couch and just started crying because I was sad to give up the old couch. Um, and so it clicked right then and there. I was like, oh, I think I'm pregnant because um, such an emotional response to a couch <laughs> is sort of normal for me. Yeah. Um, so then I, you know, I told my husband and he was absolutely delighted. Um, didn't tell my company because I was afraid of how they would react. And I wasn't sure about, you know, the laws in terms of firing people and things like that. So didn't tell my company for a long time. Started wearing clothing that was a bit more um, loose fitting and you know, just trying to cover up any bump that I was starting to get. Um, and then started looking into hospitals and trying to figure out, you know, that process because we were in a country that we weren't, we were somewhat familiar with. Um, luckily there was, everybody there spoke English. So I didn't have to worry about my lack of Arabic um, speaking knowledge, but um, yeah, so we found a doctor who turned out to be the most amazing, amazing thing, um, Dr. Annie. And she worked for um, sort of an expat group, you know, people that worked with all um, expats. Yeah. So she introduced me to the hospital, which was um, Alzara Hospital. And she was fantastic. She was always very kind and, you know, open and wonderful during my exams and my scans and everything like that. Um, we found out probably, oh, I can't even remember how far along, maybe around 20, 25 weeks or something that my son was breech, um, which she wasn't fussed about at all. She was absolutely fine. I started to, you know, look into what I could do to try to turn him and, you know, went through all the processes, spinning babies and did acupuncture and did all the things that you can, you know, try to do, did yoga. Um, I love to do baby uh, pregnancy yoga and things like that. So I was doing all those things, just trying to see if I could turn him. Um, never did, never, he never turned. Um, as I got further and further along, I had done some research and heard that a lot of people had to have cesareans because they couldn't deliver naturally. Um, but luckily my doctor is very pro-natural, which I only later found out was such a blessing. Um, I didn't sort of look for her because of her you know, pro-natural stance, but, um, I had gone through hypnobirthing as well, which I absolutely loved. It gave me sort of a confidence in our bodies and what, you know, our babies can do, what our bodies can do. And it actually helped my husband a lot as well. Um, Gavin felt like it gave him a real understanding of what I was going to go through, which was fantastic. Um, so talking to Dr. Annie about the breach, you know, birth, she said it was okay. The position that he was in, 
um, we could actually go ahead with the natural delivery. She said it would be more challenging, but that we could do it. Um, luckily the hospital we were at was very pro natural as well. Um, so we had planned that I would have a water, not a water birth cause she didn't feel comfortable with me delivering in the water. Um, but that I could have a birth where I was in the water up until I was at the point of pushing and then, uh, moved me out of the tub. So that was kind of plan and all was fairly smooth, um, throughout my whole pregnancy and everything. Um, Towards the end, my mom was coming in town. Um, she was in Arizona, but she was coming over to be there for the baby. And my sister was planning to come as well. And so we got to the end of my pregnancy and I was, you know, very pregnant. I was in Dubai in <laughs> the middle of summer. Wow. Um, my baby was born on the 28th of July. So it was about as hot as it co- you know, possibly could have been. Wow, that's um, strong. <laughs> yeah, it was a lot. <laughs> Um, but no, it was, it was fine. I'm from Arizona, so I can deal with a little bit of heat luckily. Mm -hmm. Um, but as we were getting to the end, um, but the baby was not coming, you know, and he was taking his sweet time. So I went to Dr. Annie and my mom was, you know, nervous about how long she was going to be able to stay. And my sister was coming and she could only stay for a short time because she's a teacher. So she had to get back to start the school year. Um, and so we had a sweep just to try to kind of push things along, which wasn't totally in line with my pro-natural stance, but it was, you know, a gentle sort of push rather than a full induction or anything like that. Um, Nothing happened. (laughs) He was stubborn. And so every morning I would wake up and, you know, my mom and my sister are going, no baby. And I was like, no, no baby. I think you would have heard about it if I'd had a baby last night. Um, So we finally went in again and had another sweep. And actually before the second sweep, I was, I was like 90 to 95% effaced at one point. I was having loads of contractions, two centimeters dilated. Um, and then, you know, just wasn't having, wasn't having a baby. So we did the second sweep. Um, and that one was a bit more, more thorough, I guess you could say. Um, and then it was funny. I was still trying to show my mom and my sister around Dubai because they hadn't been, well, my sister hadn't been. Um, so I had taken them to this place, Jetty Lounge, which had like a nice beach setting to show them around and everything. And we were sat there just having mocktails in the afternoon. Um, I had stopped work at this point. I had stopped work a few days before. Um, and I remember going, oh, I think something's happening. And I paid the bill and it was 4.20 in the afternoon. Um, and then you know, we'll get around to this, but he was born exactly 12 hours later at 420 um, (laughs) in the morning. Yeah. So I looked back at my bill later and I was like, oh my gosh, it was exactly the same time. Um, So that was, that was quite funny. Um, But yeah, so then I, we we decided to go home obviously from Jetty Lounge and we stopped and my mom got some food at the grocery store for me because she was like, you want to eat now while you still can. Went home. Um, sat on the birthing ball, you know, did all the things that you're kind of supposed to do. Called my husband, told him that I was in labor, um, which that was quite funny because he was at work and he kind of said, you know, how much time do I have? And I was like, I don't know, come home, you know, (laughs) whenever. Um, But I was still moving around and my mom's got three kids. My sister's got two kids. So they're like, no, she's fine. She's fine. Um, Eventually decided to go get in the bathtub at home because I wanted to, you know, be in the bath. And that was a fantastic um, 
sort of thing for my pregnancy. For me, it felt really calm and relaxed and um, just kind of put me at ease, which was good. Um, my husband was finishing something, you know, I don't know, some project that he was working on for work. And so he was sat next to me outside the tub typing <laughs> on his computer. And at one point he typed through a contraction that I was having. And I remember stopping and going, no typing during contractions. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry about that. Um, so eventually, you know, we decided that it was probably time. So we went to the hospital. Yeah. I mean, this part, it's always funny, isn't it? Like you remember it in a way very vividly, but um, also in a little bit of a way kind of blurry. So yeah, we went to the hospital, saw Dr. Annie. They set up the birthing pool for us. Um, was in the birthing pool for a really long time. My husband was wonderful. He sat next to me the whole time. Um, he wasn't allowed in the pool, but he sat there on the edge with, you know, holding my hand and everything. And again, I had decided I wanted this, you know, natural birth and I didn't want to do any medication or anything. So just sitting there breathing through my contractions for, you know, hours and trying to get through the whole process. Um, getting towards the end, I remember from hypnobirthing, they had said, when you feel like you cannot do it anymore, that's when you're almost at the end, you know, when it's, you're crowning and you're ready to push and everything. So um, the doctor had offered me an epidural hours before, and I said no, very confidently and very strong, you know, nope, I'm good. I'm fine. I can do this. Um, got to the end or, you know, what I think was probably towards the end. And the doctor had said again, do you want anything? Do you want any gas? Do you want any, you know, an epidural or anything? Cause you're probably not going to have much longer to decide that you want to do this. And I remember my husband says that I looked at him and I couldn't say no. I couldn't form the word with my mouth, but I just looked at him and he was like, no, she doesn't want this. You know, we're going to, we're going to do it. Um, so I was very grateful to him for that because I didn't feel like I had the strength to actually say no, but I knew, you know, and he knew that we didn't want to do it that way. Um, so eventually got out of the pool because she thought that I was ready went over on the bed and they say, you know, that laying on your back is kind of the worst position that you can be in. Um, but because of his breech position, she felt like that was the only way that she could be confident, you know, how the thing was going to go, how the whole process was going to go. Yeah. So there I was, I was laying on my back, um, pushing and, you know, I'm exhausted by this point. It's been nearly 12 hours uh, of contractions and everything. Um, and he just wasn't really, he was descending, but then sort of not, he would kind of go back up and it was just, it was just really kind of, kind of a tough process there at the end. Um, and so finally my doctor, who was very calm, she's always very, you know, relaxed and everything. She said, when I tell you, you have to push, you have to push. And part of my baby was out, but his head was still, um, very much inside. And, you know, because of his breech position, he could, take a breath and, you know, start breathing and it could create all kinds of problems if he ingested anything. Um, and so I remember that kind of scared me, you know, that she had all of a sudden gotten so strict and so serious. And that made me think that something maybe wasn't quite right. Um, so I did, you know, I gave it my all and she kind of helped assist, you know, his head and his shoulders out and everything. Um, and then it was strange cause I remember feeling like it was all okay. And then my, my doctor said, it was, I don't know if it was my doctor or one of the nurses, somebody kind of put him up next to me and said, 
blow in his face. And, and I don't remember what I did. My husband and my doctor said I did this. I like blew in his face. I don't remember that part. Um, and then my doctor took him, took the baby, and she kind of went over to the other side of the room. And I remember looking over at my husband, and he, he works in kind of a medical field, so he's always around blood and doctors and things like this, and he's usually fine. And he was completely bent over, doubled over with his head by his feet. Um, and then, and this part, I don't remember. I don't know why, but I don't remember. I don't know if he cried or the baby cried or if they said something, but you know, he was fine. He was okay. And my husband nearly, you know, passed out at this point because he thought that he wasn't breathing and he thought that he hadn't survived it. Um, so that part was very sort of emotional. And for me, I know that sometimes babies don't take that first breath right away, but he didn't sort of know that. And so um, it was very scary for him. And when we talk about it now, it's very emotional for him, that part, because he says he was imagining telling me that our baby hadn't survived. And that was all very, you know, emotional for him. Um, I can only imagine what some people have to go through in those scenarios. But luckily we were, we were very blessed and, you know, the baby was okay and everything was fine. Um, we had some sort of issues because of the breach delivery. Well, because of the breach positioning, I should say. Um, it turned out that the reason he never turned his head was actually stuck under my ribs the whole time when I was pregnant. Um, so he had, you know, some parts of his head were kind of pushed in. Um, also kind of comical, his legs were up, which is the good thing because I was able to deliver naturally because the way that the bum was positioned is almost with his head, legs up it's almost the same size as the head. Um, so you're able to deliver that way, but it meant that his legs just kind of kept popping back up. Um, so I guess he was a yogi from the very beginning. I don't know. He, you know, was very flexible and his feet would be up by his head. Um, we kind of had to like force his legs down and when we would swaddle him, we would have to lay his legs down and then swaddle him to keep his legs (laughs) where they're meant to be. Um, so that was kind of funny. Um, but he was okay. Luckily, they did loads of scans on his brain and his skull afterwards and made sure that the you know, imprint and everything wasn't anything that was going to cause any damage. Um, and luckily, it did not. He's you know, perfectly he's, – he's five now. Um, his name's Sebastian, and he is just a normal five-year-old rambunctious little boy. So, yeah, so all you know, really kind of went okay and um, – delivered the placenta after he was born and, you know, went through that process and that was all, that was all okay. So yeah, interesting story, but not anything, you know, more so than anybody else, I suppose (laughs) had its ups and downs and, you know, luckily a very happy ending to that story. So yeah, I think, I think a natural breach delivery for a first pregnancy is something that is very rare to hear about so that is I guess really lucky that you found somebody that was really supportive in that and Mm -hmm. there aren't very many I think in the world today that are super supportive of of natural breech birth. No and it's interesting after after the fact I was still on this um, prenatal yoga group um, with a you know tons of moms and they continued to add moms because it was a yoga group so they continued to add moms to the um, to the whatsapp group and over time, I would see so many requests for, you know, does anybody know a natural doctor, somebody who will support me? I have a breached baby and, you know, and not just breach, you know, lots of reasons. They would say, I really want to have a natural delivery. My doctor's pushing me towards a C-section and, you know, I really don't want that. Um, so it was only afterwards that I realized just how lucky we were 
to have been in that position. And I said to my husband, you know, if I had a doctor who was telling me, no, you can't do that. You're going to have to have a C-section. I would have gone along with that because I didn't know any better, you know, and I I think you should sort of trust your doctor, but there's also a part of you that kind of knows what you want and what you're hoping to achieve. So And, you know, it would have been the same outcome. Um, And my husband kept telling me this, you know, as I was getting closer, I was nervous about the C-section. And he said, look, right now we have a happy, you know, and healthy mom and a healthy baby. And at the end, if we have a healthy baby and a healthy mom, it kind of doesn't matter how we get there. So if something does go wrong and we have to do the C-section, please, like, don't feel like you've failed or anything like that, Um, which was great, you know, that he was so supportive. But I was really happy that I was able to able to do it that way because that was what I had hoped for. Yeah, that's wonderful. So how was um, how was postpartum in hot Dubai in July? <laughs> <laughs> um, that was interesting. Um, my mom stayed for a bit longer. My sister, so the funny thing, my sister was supposed to fly out the day he was finally born. And she was on the phone with the airline while I was in labor going, look, I can't leave. My sister's finally having this baby. Um, so she finally had to leave two days after And then my mom stayed and she supported me, you know, and was able to kind of help me out through that beginning process, which was great because a new mom, I didn't really know what I was doing. You know, I'd I'd been around babies when I was younger, but, you know, my sister taught me how to change a newborn's diaper and taught me about tummy time and, you know, all those things. Um, And then, you know, she left, which was hard, um, but my mom was still there for another week or so. which was fantastic. Like having that support, having another woman there who's been through it, you know, as much as we love our husbands and they are supportive and wonderful, it's just not the same. Um, so having my mom there was fantastic to be, you know, a support for me. Um, the hardest part was not being able to go out. You know, I felt pretty good after the baby was born and I wanted to go for walks and it's, you know, 110, 120 degrees Fahrenheit, you know, so we just couldn't really go anywhere. Um, so we ended up going to the malls, you know, and we'd be walking around the mall just to get that movement, you know, just to be able to kind of move around. Um, I remember my mom, who's just a wonderful lady. She is so kind. This older Emirati woman didn't speak English. We were sat there um, in the in the restroom changing Sebi's uh, diaper. And she was like, oh, mashallah, mashallah, you know, because this new baby was born and she was so excited. Um, and my mom hands the newborn baby over to this woman who I've never met in the, in, in a bathroom of all places, <laughs> in a toilet. And I was like, Oh my goodness. Like I, you know, new mom totally freaked out about germs and everything. <laughs> um, and afterwards I remember just telling my mom off and being like, mom, you can't do that. You can't give my baby over to a stranger, you know, in a mall. Um, so that was, <laughs> that was kind of funny. Yeah. Um, but you know, it was fine. I, I made it through and luckily was able to breastfeed and didn't have any problems with that. Um, so yeah, I, I feel like I was very, very lucky, just exhaustion and, you know, up all night breastfeeding and all of those things that go along with the newborn. But no, it was, it was pretty good. It was a good experience. Ah, oh, wonderful. And how did you guys start planning for a second or did you plan for a second one? How did that all go? We always wanted more than one. My husband's an only child and I'm one of three. So when we first got together, it was like, how many do you want? You know, and I said, oh, at least two or three. And he was like, oh, one or two. And I said, well, we're not having one. And he goes, well, we're not having three. And I was like, okay, well, then we're having two. Um, So we always knew. We always knew that we'd have at least um, one more. Um, And because I was breastfeeding, I didn't get my period back for, you know, a really long time. Um, And then... 
I think it was about 18 months. I got my first period and we got pregnant <laughs> straight away, which was um, a good, you know, a good surprise. Um, it took us a long time with Sebi actually. Um, so it was a, it was a nice change, you know, that we didn't have to sort of stress and think about it and try. Um, I remember being at the park with a bunch of moms and one of the moms said to me, because a few of our friends had just found out they were pregnant with their second. And she said, oh gosh, we're, you know, the only ones not pregnant. I remember sitting there thinking, oh, but I think I actually am. Um, yeah. So that was, that was a fun surprise. And then I did the test one morning and my husband was with my son in the bedroom and I came out and I just kind of casually said, I put him on video, which he didn't know. Um, but I kind of casually said, you know, so do you think we should you know, maybe have another one. And he was like, yeah, I think it's probably a good idea to start, you know, start trying. And I was like, well, what do you, what do you think if we're pregnant now? <laughs> he was like, what? We're pregnant already? Um, oh, yeah, so that was, that was fun. Um, my second one, yeah, he was born, gosh, two years and a month basically after my first. Um, so they're just over two years apart. So that's a great age gap. Um, and they, you know, they have a lot of fun together. Now I have a three-year-old and a five-year-old. Great. So how, how was the pregnancy with, with a second? And did you know what you were planning for? Did you plan for the same thing or? Yeah, no, I did. I wanted the same thing. I wanted the same doctor. I wanted the same experience, um, not breach, but everything else I wanted it to be, you know, as it was the first time. So, um, yeah, we were pregnant and we went back to Dr. Annie and I'd seen her, you know, after my delivery with Seb. Um, and so she was obviously going to be my doctor again. Um, the only problem was she had moved from Alzara to another hospital called Saudi German hospital and kind of back to your main topic of these podcasts. This was a much more kind of extreme scenario. Saudi German was a hospital that, isn't super expat friendly. They tend to have a lot of Emiratis give birth there, but not, um, you know, not outsiders, if you will. Um, and I was really hesitant. I really didn't want to deliver there. I'd heard, you know, kind of some horror stories. Um, and Dr. Annie assured me that she, you know, was, had been brought over to kind of change the way they were doing things. And she was bringing this whole natural, you know, experience to Saudi German. And so because I trusted her, you know, implicitly, I said, okay, you know, we'll, wherever you are is where we'll go. Hmm. So we went and did some tours of that hospital and they had even put in a birthing pool, you know, because at Dr. Annie's behest. And so that all seemed fine. It sounded like it was going to go. Okay. Um, the only problem was she was potentially going to be away when my baby was born. Um, and so then I started really worrying, you know, because I'm thinking I don't want to deliver at this hospital anyway. Um, if Dr. Annie's not there, I can't do this. You know, it's going to be super stressful and I don't speak the language. And although a lot of people do speaking, well, everybody speaks English. They just had a different sort of mannerism at that hospital. It wasn't as natural to me. It didn't feel as natural as it did at the first hospital. So I looked into hypnobirthing again, just to try to get my mind in the right place. Cause I was feeling really, really stressed about things. Um, I had a lot more sort of I never luckily had morning sickness or anything with either of my kids, but I had a lot more problems with Max, my second one. Um, I was having a lot of pain sort of in like my hips and my back and, you know, just having a lot of issues and getting to the point where I was struggling to walk. And it was just a really kind of more stressful, I guess, experience in a lot of ways. Um, so I was doing physio and trying, you know, every week I was doing physio, trying to kind of get my body 
situated and my physio would tell me, you know, when you get out of bed, you have to completely roll over onto your side and then get up on your hands and knees and then get yourself out of bed, you know? So it was like telling a pregnant woman who has to pee five times a night that she has to get out of bed in this really careful way. And, you know, it was just, yeah, it was one of these things you just kind of had to work through. Um, still trying to do yoga and things like that. Um, but as I was going through all of this, I thought I need to do hypnobirthing again. I need to get my head in the right place. And my original hypnobirthing teacher wasn't available, but there was another lady I had met um, who said that she could meet with us. So she started coming to our house in the evening um, once a week to do these meetings with us, which was great because then, you know, my son was already born at that point. So we could be there at home. And she was fantastic. She was a doula. She wasn't acting as a doula anymore. She was mainly doing hypnobirthing, but she said, you know, if Dr. Annie can't be there, I will be there and I will act as a doula for you. You know, so that was nice. That was kind of an assurance that everything was going to be okay. Yeah. So, you know, otherwise the process was fine. My mother-in-law actually came the second time to be there, you know, before the baby was born so that she could support us with Seb um, and just make sure, you know, that I didn't have to have a babysitter or anything like that, that she would be there at the house. Um, So I got towards the end, started having really strong contractions a couple days before called the doctor one night and or messaged the doctor one night and said, Hey, you know, I don't think I'm in labor yet, but I'm having some really strong contractions. They're lasting a really long time. Then she said, what do you want to do? And I said, I just want to sleep. And she was like, okay, then go to sleep. You know, I said, I just want to let you know that like, I might be calling you in the night. So I went to sleep, woke up the next day, no contractions, nothing like everything was fine. Um, went about my day, a couple of days actually went by. And then I went for my scheduled appointment on the Monday, I guess. And she said, you know, well, what happened? I thought I was going to see you over the weekend. And I was like, I know it just stopped. Nothing, nothing's happening. So they set me up with the machine. The, I can't think of what it's called. Is it the EKG or something where they wrap the, you know, strap around your stomach and they test your contractions. And they were like, Nope, nothing. (laughs) You're not having anything. You're not having a single (laughs) contraction. Um, and so that was really weird. And I was like, all right, well, you know, I guess we'll just wait and see. And she said, do you want me to give you a sweep? And I was like, no, you know, he's only a day late at this point. Like, let's just give him time. My second one, he was 11 days late. Um, so I felt, you know, I, sorry, my first one was 11 days late. So my second one, I felt like, you know, give him a, give him some time. He can be a couple days late if his brother was that late. Um, and so she said, well, I'm just going to check you and see, you know, see where you are. So I said, fine. Um, so she checks me and I was a hundred percent effaced and I was like, three or four centimeters dilated. Wow. Um, and this was at like 1030 in the morning. And so she's like, well, if I gave you a sweep right now, you'd be in labor. And I was like, no, 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 it's fine. Let's just see how the day goes. And so my husband said, well, should I go to work? You know, that's pretty far along, right? Like, what should I do? And she said, no, she, well, she goes, where do you work? And he said, healthcare city, which wasn't too far away. And she said, no, you'll be fine. Go ahead go to work. Um, and so I went and met my mother-in-law with, well, so the malls in Dubai, it's just, a, you go to the mall and there's like kids places and restaurants and everything. So she had taken him to the mall to go to a kid's place. And I had put her in touch with one of my friends and said, oh, they're going for lunch. Why don't you go meet them for lunch? So I go to the mall and I meet my mother-in-law and I meet all of you know, my girlfriends who were there having lunch. And they're all, you know, going, how are you? Are you in labor? What's going on? And I'm like, I don't know. I said, I'm a hundred percent effaced and like three or four centimeters dilated, but I'm not not having contractions. And they're like, what are you doing here? You have to go home. You shouldn't be here. 
And I was like, but I'm not having contractions. Like, what am I supposed to do? Just sit there at home. So, you know, they all kind of laughed and we had lunch and then my mother-in-law and my son and I went for a walk around the mall just to kind of keep moving and, you know, keep exercise going. Um, went home, same, didn't have contractions all day, you know, just continued. Um, and then went to go put my son down at night for bed. And I used to like lay on the mattress next to his, you know, we had a spare bed in there where my mother-in-law was actually sleeping as well. Um, so I went and would lay on that bed while he was going to sleep and he kept sitting up and I remember just being like, Sab, lay down, you know, and he would go put my blanket back on or whatever. And I would put his blanket back on and then he would get back up again. And then I was laying on the mat on the bed and I just remember feeling flushed all over just from head to toe, like the most extreme contraction you could possibly have. And I was like, Oh my gosh, I'm in labor. And so I texted my husband because I had my phone in my room in the room with me. I texted my husband and he came in and he'd heard me talking to Seb. So he thought I was just sick of dealing with a, you know, a, tod a toddler. So he came in and he was like, Sebby, lay down, you know, it's time for bed. Um, and he looks at me and he goes, and it was pretty dark in the room, but he could just tell, he goes, are you okay? And I was like, nope, I'm in labor. And he was like, oh, oh, okay. And so he's, you know, tell Sebby to lay down again. I leave the room. I go and I'm standing in the bathroom and I have my hands on the counter and I'm kind of bent over trying to breathe through this. I'm having, you know, really extreme contractions. Um, I had texted my doctor before I texted my husband actually. Um, and said, you know, I'm definitely in labor now. They're coming strong and they're coming fast. Um, and she was like, you know, so she called me and I'm standing in the bathroom. She called me and she said, you know, are you okay? And I was like, yep. I said, I think we need to go to the hospital. And she said, okay. And she lived over near the hospital. So she said, let me know when you're on your way and I'll, you know, head straight over. So my husband comes in and he's like, are we ready? And he told his mom, you know, to go take care of my other son. Um, and he said, are we ready? And I was like, no, I have to change. And I'm like, you know, nine and a half months pregnant, whatever it is. And wearing like the ugliest, ugliest pajamas you can possibly imagine. Um, and he's like, what do you mean you have to change? And I was like, I can't wear this, you know? <laughs> and he's like, no, no. Or no, he goes, what do you want to change into? And I'm like, I, I don't know, something. And then I'm like, hold up. And I, you know, lean over the counter again and I'm breathing through another contraction. And he's like, we are going, we are leaving now. And I was like, okay. Um, so he grabs <laughs> my bag um, and we go down to the car and a couple of funny things. One, I had seen my friend Joe, who used to be a, um, a stewardess on Emirates Airlines. And so when we were at the mall, she had said, hey, you know, if anything happens, I'm technically able to deliver a baby. I was like, awesome. Good to know. Cause she was in my, she lived in my building. So she was just above us. Um, and so we get in the lift and we're on our way down and there's two delivery guys in the lift, um, delivering food to our apartment complex. And you know, you're not allowed to swear in Dubai, you know, you're, you're not supposed to say things that are not PC. Um, and so they're both staring at me and I'm having really strong contractions. I'm basically bright red cause I'm so flushed. And the one guy, we get to the ground floor and the one guy gets out of the lift and the other guy just stands there and he's just staring at me. And my husband is like, get out of the, you know, blank lift. <laughs> and so he's, he kind of like snaps to it and he runs out. So we go down to the ground, uh, below the ground floor to the basement where our car was parked. And I get out of the lift and I, you know, I'm walking over towards our car and I stop and he goes, what are we doing? And I was like, I'm wondering if we should go get Joe because she was upstairs. You know, I knew she was there. And he was like, are we going to the hospital? And I was like, and I took a second and I was like, yeah, yeah, let's go to the hospital. And he's like, okay. So we go get in the car 
<laughs> the way that we live downtown Dubai. So we had to go on the boulevard going the opposite direction of where we needed to go and then do a U-turn. That's just the way you had to get off the boulevard. So my husband is like weaving through traffic, you know, basically makes an illegal left turn um, when the light was still red, goes down the boulevard the other way onto Sheikh Zayed Road, which is like the main motorway, driving excessive speeds down the motorway. Um, we went past two speed cameras, got flashed twice. You know, we're just absolutely speeding down the road. And he, the whole time he's like, you know, are you okay? Are you okay? He called Dr. Annie. She said she could tell from my voice that I didn't have long. So she was already on her way to the hospital. And so I'm sitting there, I'm holding on to like the center console and the armrest and saying to my son, you know, I'm going, Max, I need two minutes, Max, or 20 minutes. I'm like, Max, I just need 20 minutes. You've got to wait. You have to wait 20 minutes. Um, and my husband, you know, you can see the panic in his face. He's just so overwhelmed. Um, and so he's speeding down the road, gets off, makes a wrong turn, which is unfortunate. Um, we go off on this little side road and get stuck behind this car where these Emiratis are getting out of the car. Um, and so he starts to get out of the car and he's in such a state. I was like, stop, just wait. And the way the Emiratis are, they're very regal in their sort of way of movement and everything. So they're moving, you know, very slowly getting out of the car and walking across um, while somebody comes to valet their car. And I'm like, if you get out and you start shouting, it's just going to delay the process, you know, so just calm down. So he's sitting there and then they move the car. Finally, he zooms around, gets out of this little side road that we were on, goes back through like a major traffic light, pulls up um, outside on the ramp at Saudi German Hospital and as he pulls up, he slams on the brakes and I'm like putting my hands down. I can feel my son crowning. Um, so I can feel his head and he jumps out of the car, runs around to my side and catches our baby. <laughs> Max is born in the car outside of the hospital. Wow. I didn't know this. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that one was, that one was pretty funny. Um, I had sort of let out like a scream or whatever when Max came out, uh, which I think was so much relief as well as um, maybe pain. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Cause I had been basically holding him in the whole drive there. Yeah. Um, I, I was so very much ready to go. Um, and so as I let out this scream, I hear, and you know, he caught the baby. I hear my doctor come running out behind me. And she's like, I'm here, I'm here. And so I turn around and I look, and she's such a funny person. I look at her and she's like, oh my goodness, you know, you did so great. And she's hugging me. And my husband goes, do you want to hold the baby? And I'm like, <laughs> yes, yes, I want to hold the baby. So he hands me the baby. And so I'm sat there and Dr. Annie said to, oh, so everywhere in Dubai, you've got valets who, you know, park your cars and everything. So Dr. Annie has shouted to this valet guy, you know, go get a wheelchair, go get a wheelchair. And him and the security guard are just standing there and they're just staring at me. They have no idea, you know, what to do. Um, and neither of them move. And so she's like, ah! so she runs inside, she gets the wheelchair herself. She comes running back out. Um, and then, you know, they're trying to help me out of the car and I'm still attached. The umbilical cord is still attached. And so I don't know, I guess it wasn't very long. I couldn't step down. We had like a Mitsubishi Pajero. So it's kind of high off the ground. I couldn't step down. Um, so my husband's trying to sort of lift me and the baby out of the car um, so that I could get out and get into the wheelchair. And then this woman has pulled up, you know, behind Dr. Annie, I guess, I'm not sure. And everybody in Dubai has like 
a box of tissues on their desk, in their car. They just, I don't know why everybody has tissues. And so she comes up to my husband with this box of tissues and she's like, Oh, you know, and she's so happy, you know, this baby's been born or whatever, but she hands him this box of tissues as though a box of tissues is going to have any effect on <laughs> the mess and the, you know, the disaster that has just happened in the car. Oh my um, and so he just kind of laughs and he's like, thanks, but that's okay. You know? Yeah. Um, and so everybody outside is just staring at us. We get in the wheelchair. My first official photos of my son are on CCTV um, with us, you know, in the wheelchair holding the baby. And so we go inside and Dr. Annie's pushing me through the hospital up to the maternity ward. And um, my husband actually filmed a video of me. He's like, oh my gosh, you know, I cannot believe we just had a baby. And I'm like, we just had a baby in the car um, in this really weird sort of delirious state. I'm not even sure, you know, what's going on. Um, and so we go upstairs and the nurse opens the maternity door for us. And the doctor had called to say we were coming. And so she's like, oh, okay, we're all ready for you. We have the birth pool ready. And Dr. Annie kind of just points at my lap and she's like, nope, we already did that. And she's like, oh my goodness. So then everybody's, you know, trying to figure out what to do in this scenario. And I had wanted to do the um, cord clamping after both of my kids. And so they're rushing to get that done. So, you know, that they can cut, um, preserve the cord blood and everything. Mm. Um, so all of that happened. And then still trying to just sort of get through the shock of like, you know, what's just happened here. Um, and we called my mother-in-law and told her, you know, that we were okay. And we'd had the baby already. I mean, it was less than an hour from the moment I had my first contraction to the moment he was, well, to the moment we think he was born, according to what I remember in CCTV footage. So, you know, we let her know that that was happened, that it happened and then called my mom and was talking to my mom on Skype or whatever it was back then and telling her the whole story. And then Dr. Annie's, again, you know, this person who's very calm and very, you know, she knows what she's doing. She's always very aware of everything. Um, she started to kind of be like, okay, we really need to get this placenta out because it's not, you know, it's not happening. Um, and so it turned out that I had been continuing to sort of bleed um, as my body was trying to push the placenta out. And my sister had had this happen where a piece of her placenta had broken off and she had lost an ex you know, extraordinary amount of blood with her first. And then again with her second. And so my mom's on the phone and she hears that this is starting to happen. And she was so upset because she wasn't there. And, you know, she knew my sister had, well, I mean, we always say in olden days she would have died, you know, she lost so much blood. Um, and so my mom's starting to get really upset. My husband had to, you know, hang up with her because we had to sort of focus on the situation. And I remember, and I don't know if this is too much information, but I remember feeling a massive sort of gush and a massive thing happen. And I went, oh, thank goodness, like it's passed. And my doctor said, no, that wasn't it. That was, you've just lost a lot of blood. And so immediately they decide that they need to take me in and do the, um, I don't even know if it's like the DNC or whatever it is that they had to do to get the placenta out. Yeah. And I didn't really understand what was going on. I obviously was losing blood, so I was a little bit out of it, I'm sure, and had all the you know excitement and shock of having Max in the car. Um, so during this time, luckily, I was able to hold him because I had wanted to do skin to skin with both my kids and everything. So I had held him and breastfed a little bit up until this point, but they decided you know they had to take me in for surgery, and I didn't really understand what was happening. Um, so my husband took my son, and I told him to do skin to skin with my son. 
and then they took me in and I remember a which now I know it was um oh gosh the guy who gives you the drugs for surgery anesthesiologist yeah 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 anesthetist there we go yeah. um he came and I remember him being quite gruff and you know not very sort of bedside his bedside manner wasn't very friendly um and then I said where's Dr. Annie I want Dr. Annie and then she showed up, you know, and she's by my bed and it's all very blurry and kind of confusing. And so she said, I'm here, I'm here. You're okay. I'm, I'm, with, I'm with you, you know? And so then I completely blacked out and I didn't realize that they had even put me under. I didn't know that was going to happen. Um, and so I later came to, and he was in the room. I think it was him and a nurse or something, but I didn't, I didn't understand that I had been put under um, so I just came out very confused and disoriented and everything. And then I fell back asleep and then woke up again in another room and I was completely on my own and I'm looking around this massive room and it was just this big white room and I could see a clock on the wall. Couldn't figure out what time it was. Um, and I look over and way across the room, there's a nurse and she kind of just looks at me and goes, Oh, you know, I'll get your doctor. But I was like, I don't even understand and I think I said, where's my husband? Where's my son? You know, and she said, I'll get your doctor. And so then they came in and I remember saying to my husband, did I, did I die? Like, did I almost die? Cause I was so confused. And he said, no, you're okay. Um, you know, you went, they put you under for the surgery. And I, I didn't know that, like, I didn't know that whole process had even happened. Right. So that was weird. Cause it was just like this whole emotional thing that I wasn't you know, ready for. Um, but my husband was great. He had been doing skin to skin with my son the whole time and, you know, just singing to him and everything. It was just this whole weird mix of emotions. Um, he said that while I was under that another family had lost someone, um, basically right across the room uh, in the room, right across from us, across the hallway. And there was this woman on the floor, you know, right. sobbing. And so he was very emotional because he's sitting there watching this happen and knowing that I'm losing blood very rapidly. And, you know, he said that it was just this whole scary kind of moment for all of them. But luckily, well, I don't know, luckily or not, they said that they didn't want to do a blood transfusion because of the hospital that I was in. I didn't feel super comfortable in the hospital. I sort of didn't know why we weren't doing the blood transfusion. My sister had had a couple of blood transfusions when she had lost all that blood. I later found out they didn't have my blood type. Oh, so that was very scary. Yeah. Um, looking back on it, that they didn't, because I'm O negative, um, which is kind of rare. So, yeah, I, I guess if they'd had it, <laughs> they probably would have done a blood transfusion, but they didn't have the ability to do that. Yeah. Um, but luckily, when I came, when I came to, you know, they started basically force feeding me. They gave me food and they gave me liquids and everything, trying to get my sort of blood back to a normal point. Um, but I was on iron pills for nine, nine months or 12 months or something like that afterwards. Um, because I was so iron deficient and everything. So, yeah, so that was all just, and you know, you asked if I wanted to have the same birth again and I did yeah. for the most part. And I just did not. <laughs> so completely opposite of what I'd had with my first, um, yeah, it sounds really intense. <laughs> it was, yeah, it was really intense. And my husband always laughs. He's like, it's like, you're trying to kill me every time we have a baby, you know, you can't just do it normally. Um, <laughs> so it was just, a, yeah, I think it all happened almost too fast. You know, it was like, it wasn't, I wasn't able to process it. I wasn't able to understand kind of what was going on. And then it was funny actually afterwards, my son kept doing this thing where like every time I would try to 
hold him like in a certain way, he would like flip his head back and do this really strange, like slide movement down. And I kept kind of being like, what are you doing? And like, I'm, you know, fighting him cause I don't want to drop him. Um, and this went on for months. Like this kept happening for ages and I would, you know, not let him do what he was trying to do basically. Cause I didn't want him to fall. And so I would pick him back up and I pick him back up. And I finally went and met with somebody and I can't remember who gave me this advice to go meet with this doctor, but she basically said, because of how everything happened, he's, and you know, I don't know if this is true or not, but she said, he's trying to recreate the birth process because it was too fast for him and he couldn't, mm-hmm. he couldn't process it. So I was like, right. okay. Um, she said, just, you know, I'll sit there and hold him the way that you do and let him, let him do what he's trying to do. And so I did, and I sat there and we talked through, you know, a bunch of stuff. It was all very, you know, emotional and everything. Mm. Um, but I just sat there and I let him and he like flipped backwards and then kind of upside down and he slid like down my body and she was like kind of down by my feet and like caught him as he like slid down. It was the weirdest thing. Yeah. Um, and then he stopped doing it after that. He didn't do it ever again. You know, and it was just so, so strange. It was like, even for him, it was too fast. You know, it was like, yeah, I don't know. It was this very strange sort of thing for both of us, I guess. So yeah, those are my, those are my stories. <laughs> That's wonderful. And how was postpartum then next to the, the, the weird movements of, of Max? <laughs> yeah, the weird movements. Um, no, everything else was pretty much okay. I mean, I was so iron deficient. And, you know, looking back, you can see there was, um, I was yellow, you know, I was so jaundiced um, afterwards. So there was, I was dizzy and, you know, kind of dealing with that physical side of it. But emotionally, again, it was okay. Um, my mom came in town soon after he was born. Um, so I got to have her there again. And, you know, that was all, that was all great. My mother-in-law had been there, obviously, from the very beginning. So that was good. Um, so, yeah. And again, I was able to breastfeed. So, no, it was okay. I mean, you have the highs and lows. You know, you have the ups and downs that you get, I think, just from the hormonal imbalance of it all. Um, but no, I was lucky not to have any sort of extreme, no depression or anything like that afterwards. So yeah, it was all, it was all pretty much okay. That's great. My first son is born in England and after when you, when you mentioned these movements that Max were doing, Mm -hmm. Phineas had something similar where he would only go to one side like he would be more comfortable on the left side and his left eye was a little bit smaller, stuff like that, just little things. And they sent us to an osteopath, I think. And Mm -hmm. in England, everybody goes to an osteopath to like, and they just lay their hands on you and sort of adjust. And I don't really know how it works, but was that, or yeah. that girl, that girl, that lady that you went to, was that what she did? Yeah, 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 it was. Yeah? Mm-hmm. yeah, she was an osteo and she, she did the same thing. She put her hands on me and just sort of, not even pressed down, but she just sort of put like a very gentle pressure on different parts of my body. Yeah. Um, and it was just like, I don't know for you, but it, for me, it was this very calming yeah. sense, you know, where I just felt really at peace. Um, and she did the same with Max, you know, she just kind of rested her hands on him and she would say, you hold him. And sometimes I would be breastfeeding him because I went and saw her a couple of times. Um, so sometimes we'd be breastfeeding and we'd just sit there and she would just calmly like put her hands on him and put her hands on me and, yeah, it was this really nice experience. I didn't know. I'm actually living in the UK now. Um, I didn't know that they do that here. That's they do. 
I think a really wonderful thing for everybody to go through. Yeah, they do. Um, I recommended it to so many of my mom friends after the fact and just told them how calming it was, you know? So yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. That's great. It's not something that is, that I had heard of before, like for babies, I, I'd gone to an osteo myself as an adult, but for babies, mm -hmm. it's, they had, they, I think they had an open clinic where we were and people would just be standing in line to go in and, and, with their little ones and I do remember that um just like you said like Phineas he stopped doing these things as well and slept better and and all these things but I I still to this day don't really exactly know what it is they're doing maybe no I don't yeah. know <laughs> maybe that's my uh, that's my next goal to to find out to explore yeah. the world of osteopathy yeah. yeah no absolutely yeah. I would be so keen to learn more about it because it really did have a big yeah. effect on us yeah um uh, absolutely yeah and i think the uk does a really good job actually um i haven't had children here but you know everything i hear it's like they do this really sort of from beginning to end service i guess yeah. they don't give you quite as many scans whereas in dubai i had a scan every couple of weeks or every month um you know they don't do that here but then after the fact they bring somebody to your home and they check on you and you know, you have a midwife checking on how the baby's latching if you're breastfeeding and making sure that the mom is doing okay and that, you know, any sort of postpartum depression is identified very early on. Yeah. Um, the osteopath thing I didn't know about, you know, but so they do a really good job here um, making sure that everything is, you know, as it should be for moms, which is great. And, you know, you, know, you and I both lived in Prague and obviously um, I don't think that some other countries around the world, they didn't do that in Dubai. You know, you didn't have any aftercare in Dubai or as far as I know in Prague. Um, so, yeah, I think it's great. I think, yeah. it I think it's so important. Um, and maybe that's why birth stories are important, too, because there aren't many places in the world where where the mother is a big factor in childbirth mm -hmm. because as soon as mm -hmm. it seems as though as soon as um babies separated from mother it's all about the baby really and mm -hmm. and mother doesn't really get so much attention and and i think the uk they're doing better at that that's for sure that's for sure mm -hmm. yeah. you do hear in some you know in some cultures that the mother is expected you know i think it's in korea they're expected to stay at home and rest for a month and not leave the house and you know you and that baby just spend that time together and I think it's really important I in a lot of ways I wish I had done that you know I did the other way where I felt like okay I feel good I should get up and get out yeah um I wish that I had spent more time yeah just with them you know just at home and just resting and recovering and um I think that would help a lot of moms to get through what they've you know been through yeah um most definitely so yeah, we should take a take a page from those <laughs> those books and try to do that for all I moms. So. Absolutely, I think so. Mm -hmm. We're talking about books or any anything similar. Do you have any references or anything that you use that you'd like to to share? Mainly, just um, I mean, prenatal yoga was one of my sort of go tos throughout the whole process, and I find yoga very calming anyway. Um, but especially when I was pregnant, I always found it like a really good release of any sort of built up stress and things like that. Cause it gets your body moving, but not in such a extreme physical way. Um, and then the hypnobirthing, I think the hypnobirthing was the best thing that I could have done. You know, I had such a positive feeling coming out of those courses and they would give you this confidence that you knew what you were doing and 
you know, one of my favorite sort of mantras was your body and your baby know what they're doing and, you know, just allowing that process to happen, um, with less interruption from others. And, um, yeah, I mean, they would tell you not to, (laughs) not to do what we're doing now, not to listen to, you know, horror stories of births and not to watch those shows where, they have a very extreme birth happen, you know, in a car or something like that, which is funny. Um, but, you know, they tell you to just sort of trust, trust in your body and trust in your baby that they can, they can handle this. Um, and one of my favorite quotes that my teacher had told me the first time it was that, you know, giving birth to a baby is easier than worrying about it. Yeah. Um, and I loved that, you know, cause I think when you are a first time mom, especially it's so scary, you don't know what's going to happen. And, um, you hear a lot of horror stories, you know, so just to trust and kind of go turn inwards and believe in what you're doing and what you're trying to achieve is really important. So hypnobirthing for me was massive. It was a really, really great thing. Yeah. Um, so I would absolutely recommend that for sure. Amazing. Amazing. Okay. I'm going to link to some of those on your show notes page. That's wonderful. Well, thank you, Stephanie, so much for sharing. Absolutely, it was a it was a ride. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. It's been a it's been a fun ride, um, one that I'm sort of proud of. So, yeah, no, it's nice to tell the story, and um, sometimes it doesn't even feel like my story. It feels too extreme, but um, yeah, I enjoyed enjoyed the process. So, thank you for letting me be here today. Well, thanks so much again, Stephanie, for sharing your birth stories with us here on the podcast today. If you are listening in and you'd like to reach out with a question or anything to Stephanie, please feel free to send me an email at the nine months podcast at gmail.com. And as usual, that number nine is a number nine. And I will be happy to forward anything that comes in there to Stephanie personally. Also, if you'd like to share your birth story on the podcast, you can use that same email and contact me there, or you can visit the website, which is ninemonthspodcast.com for more episodes and a little bit more information about this project and these birth stories. Thank you for tuning in and see you next week.